Hey folks, this is your host, Paul Winkler. Thank you for listening to the show today. Before we get into the content, I want to tell you about a new workshop I'm hosting called Politics and Portfolios, How to Invest During Election Season. You can register for it at paulwinkler.com politics. A lot of people are worried about the market this year, and I want to help you know what to do. We're going to look at historical data and academic research to explain how markets behave in election years, and we'll use easy-to-read charts and graphs. I'll be live on Friday, February 23rd at 12 o'clock. But if you can't make it live, register anyway, and we'll send you a replay link. So go check it out at paulwinkler.com politics. Now, here's your show. Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And welcome to the Investor Coaching Show. I am Paul Winkler. We talk money here, here with Evan Barnard and Ira Work, hanging out here with me on this, this, this beautiful weekend. It's a good day to be outside, not inside. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a good day to be anywhere. Let's just, let's just face it. It is a good day to be anywhere. You know, it... it I wasn't going to start here, but I'm going to start here just because I'm feeling philosophical just for a a quick second anyway, uh, before we get into the investment stuff of the day, there's a lot of that to go around. I did a, um, did a workshop this week. It was politics and investing. I don't know. We may talk a little bit about that. Who knows? Uh, we may get into a little bit of the content of that particular workshop, but I had, you know, you guys know my hobby is music of course right and uh-huh. I, I love playing and and doing all of that kind of stuff and i used to when i was younger i'd go to a lot of these little clinics uh-huh. that they would have and they would have you know people that were well known some people not as well known some people are just educators teaching these clinics well there was a guy that actually passed away that was one of the teachers of these clinics and um and and basically, you know, what happened was that um, Don Famularos is was a teacher that, you know, he was always full of energy, like a super, super positive attitude, get up there. And, and he was really always excited about stuff. And, and, you know, he would talk about things and he was a very talented guy. But what was really, really interesting is he actually was, went out, he had cancer. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, thinking everything's better goes back and, and he comes back out to this clinic that, that they're teaching at this, uh, this big drum thing that they had. And, you know, and, you know then they're thinking, hey, Dom 2.0's here. Uh-huh. Everything's good. He's all, he's okay. Everything's good. Yeah. Well, it didn't last long. He, he ended up passing away. But what I wanted to share, and I, I thought you guys would find this interesting and maybe just kind of some of the things that you might think of as he says this, because I think, you know, money we talk about as being a tool to express what you value. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of times we don't really dig that deep as to what we really value. And and as as a result, people have a struggle with money. Mm -hmm. They have a struggle because they don't know what is really important to them, and therefore they spend on things that aren't really important. They spend on trying to impress people with you know, money that they don't have and buying things that they shouldn't buy because they can't really afford it, right? 
He writes this down. He says, well, I've entered the last stage of my life, of this life, and I wanted to share some thoughts. The end only comes when we fulfill our purpose. I've completed my essence no ma- to, to matter. I am so grateful for the people who I met. I traveled much of my life using my passion for music and life as my partner. I was once a strong force, but now I'm a quiet, subtle breeze. I'm contemplating the nature of mortality. It is complicated and clear, difficult and easy. I mean, it's just kind of both sides, and you you see life as that way. You yeah. have you have good, you have bad, and there's you know you have both sides, and we're always trying to negotiate those. He says, "I'm I'm ready and unprepared. I am at peace and agitated. The contrast of emotions and intellect." Lead me to spirituality, not religion. A lot of times people do look at the difference between them. There can be a big difference right, where, yeah. you know, because a lot of times people, I think, run from, you know, their belief system from Christianity because maybe, you know, legalism is pushed down their throats and, and you know, and then they're, um, it can be stifling. So I think that's probably where he's going right there. That quite often is the case. Yeah. For me, it is my purpose. I hope I've made a small difference. I hope my touch empowers someone to continue in their purpose. Playing and teaching music, I will miss. It has defined me and gave me purpose. Every student inspired me. Every performance gave me reward. I thank you all for being in my life during my stay here. The laughter, the food, the music, the family picnics, the holiday parties, all added to great love. The love what I am thankful for. The love is what I am thankful for. I hope I made somewhat of a difference and added happiness to the world. If our paths crossed, this is where I, th- I think it really gets good. If our paths crossed, I was blessed. I hope you all live long and prosper to love and feel joy every day. Thank you from the deepest part of my soul. My gratitude is overwhelming and humbling. We are all blessed. Feel it. We are all blessed feel it. And I think that is so important because, you know, if you look at the difference between people that are happy, well-adjusted, uh, not dealing with anxiety quite often, mm-hmm. you know, the idea behind anxiety is that fear of what's coming. Do I look forward to what's coming or do I dread it? Do yeah. I do I worry about what might come and that I might not be able to handle it, that it's not going to be good? Or do I look back in gratitude for everything that I've gotten what I do have. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's basically saying. We're all blessed. Feel it. With deep gratitude, optimism flourishes. And that's really kind of, that's what it is. It's you know, so much about being, having gratitude for people around us, for people, the relationships that we have, the things that we, that we have, uh, even the doors that closed. You know, some of the unanswered prayers sometimes. I think of Garth Brooks with, you know, thank God for unanswered prayers, right? (laughs) Uh, And um, it is our compassion that empowers us. I ask of you all to be kinder, more accepting, open-hearted, open-minded, and enjoy each other and every soul you encounter. Use social media to lift people, not suppress them, which I think is huge. We're all equal creatures in the universe. I, I believe in each of you to empower and inspire people. I know you can do this. Please prove me right. I was able to develop a career from just a vision. I know you can do something to build on this. I dare you to do better. 
I love that. I dare you to do better. You know, how often do we spend our lives trying to knock other people down? I was always telling my kids, two ways to have the biggest house in town. One is build it, and the other is to knock other people's houses down. And I think it is so cool that he's saying, I dare you to do better. I know you can. Good luck. Understand your beam of light will turn into a full colorful rainbow shine away. I hope I earned my stay on earth. I hope to meet you again on the other side, onward and upward with love. Thanks for putting up with me. Dom 3.0. Upgrade complete. I'm overjoyed. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, just, you know, it's your final words. And what do you say to the word? to the world. And it reminds me so much, we have a thing that we do in our estate planning workshops, you Mm -hmm. know, that booklet we give out, Mm -hmm. you know, where you sit down and you write down, and sometimes they're called ethical wills. You've heard that term used before. And you're writing down what you're about. And I think that is so much, as I get older, that just resonates with me even more, you know? Well, I I think it's instructive as well that you know, you think about different people's final words. Mm-hmm. Those words are not filled with bitterness. They're not no. filled with malice. You know, it's it's reflective of a life well lived, I think. Yeah. And and even his final words, I think, expressed actually how he did live his life. And I don't even I don't even know this gentleman. Yeah. I don't I don't go to music. Intensely very intensely often. positive. <laughs> yeah, he's but, an intensely positive yeah. guy. He really was. And uh I think that's just a natural expression of the other 60 years or however long it was that he lived. Yeah. And I think about Eric Erickson, you know, talking about the last stage, the eighth stage of development is integrity Mm -hmm. versus despair. Yeah. You know, integrity being that I did what I came here to do kind of thing. So, well, you you know, I mean, in starting with that and you said we'd get, you know, we'd get to the investing after that, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> but that I think is at the core, you know, we just came back from reviewing some stuff on some of the materials that we, you know, share with clients. Yeah, American Dream Experience. And stuff we uh, well, yeah. and even just thinking about the workshop True Purpose for Money, which we've done which for 20 years here. Which is part of it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the key is beginning to think about what you would write when you're 20, when you're 30. And having that purpose so that you've got 40 or 50 years for your investments to line up with your purpose for life, yeah, not just a reflection of, oh, hey, here's what I could have done or here's what I did. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, just being careful to make sure that when Evan just said that, he's not talking about, you know, some people invest in things that they believe in. They think that, you know, for example, ESG was the big thing that caught a lot of people's attention. Yeah. It's not about doing that because the reality of it is you're never really giving your money to the end company. But the reality of it is, is that what you're doing is you're investing in such a way and and you're shooting for prudence, which is how do I maximize expected return for a given level of, of risk so that I can use the gains that I get and, and what my, my success in investing that I get to further things that are really important to me. You know, charities that I believe in, uh, causes that I believe in, people that I want to yeah. support, people that I want to pass my Grand, values on to, grandkids. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 So, you know, so it's all of those things. Right. And, you know, 
so often what happens is people get in arguments over money and, you know, and they think more, I've just got to get more. I've got to have more. If I could just get more, then, then I'll be happy. If I could just get to this, then I'll be happy. If I could then have, you know, if I could just make this amount of money, then I'd be happy. Then you get to that point and then you go, well, you know, and the eye is never satisfied for sure. Yeah. Never, you're never filled with hearing. No, because as we teach in that, in in the purpose workshop is that unless you have a purpose, then the only purpose is more because you begin to think, well, when I get to this level, when I get to that level, when you can live your life and fulfill your purpose at any level, no matter how much money you have. Right. You know, and as I was listening to you read through that, it just made me reflect on all the things that we actually teach in that American Dream Workshop Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. how it helps people get out of themselves or look into themselves. Yeah. Um, And what I think is really cool about the workshop is that it helps unveil the blind spots for people and the results that we get from it, the compliments that we hear from it, not, you know, about complimenting us, but how much they got out of it. And I know that's what I live for. Mm-hmm. You know, for investors to understand it and get it. You know, it's not about the money. Yeah. You know, the money will come, but it's about what can you do. Well, see, in life, it's not a competition to see who has more. Right. You know, that's it's so often what we do is we go back to high school. Re- you go back to a high school reunion <laughs> and see who is the most successful. <laughs> you know, they, and that's the that's the the fallacy of it when people get toward the end of the high school, you vote on who is most likely to be successful. And you go, wait, how do we measure this thing called success? Or you finally get really successful and then your reunion is during COVID and they cancel it. (laughs) Well, or you you yourself are playing somebody else's reunion and you can't go to your own. That's what happened to me. So I I was um, dating a woman who... We were talking about her two siblings, a brother and a sister, and um, she was the most successful of the three of them as far as business goes. And I had made the comments, like, so basically you're like the most successful. And she was single, and her response was, well, they have much better relationships than I have. Isn't that interesting? You know? Yeah, so what are you measuring with? Right. I mean, so here it was, this very successful businesswoman was looking at her siblings who had a very successful marriage and children and her other brother who was in a wonderful relationship. And she's looking at herself and thinking, well, I'm not really successful. They have great relationships. And there's a practicality side of this thing that I want to share. You know, so a lot of times what I like to do with people is I will have, I'll draw like bar graphs. You know, you got a bar graph and you might have eight, ten bars in the, in the graph and at the very bottom of it, what I'll do is I'll write down, I'll leave space. I'll leave like 10 spaces going from left to right. And I'll go, okay, so I want you to tell me what are the things that make your life work? I'll ask somebody that. Mm -hmm. And then they'll say, well, like what? And and I'll say, well, and, and I was talking to a friend of mine this week, a professor, uh, Matter of fact, I'm going to bring him on this show. I am going to bring him on here because he is so much fun to talk to. Uh, he's a doc of uh, psychology, and, and and he and I get in a great conversation because he has a he's got a financial background, mm-hmm. which makes him super interesting. He was a CPA, 
Uh, but, you know, we were just talking about this, and he says, list things. Now, he uses 20 things. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't even spoil what he does, but but I'm going to spoil it just to <laughs> trust me. I'll I'll give you a little bit, but it'll be just a tiny fraction of what he and I talked about for two and a half hours. But it was like twenty things that make your that your your life most important things, mm-hmm. and it might be your wife. Let's say if you're married, uh, you know, and you have three kids, so it'd be wife two, three, four, you got the three kids, let's say. Mm -hmm. And then you've got maybe your work. uh, Maybe it's going to be, you know, uh, your spirituality is going to be another thing. Maybe it's your, you have a hobby that you really like or or a collection of something that you really like. Yeah. And he gets up to 20. Then he wants you to take those 20, then break it down and say, okay, you got to give up 10 of those. Which ones, which 10 of them do you give up? And then what you got to do is take that 10 and then you go, okay, you got to give up five of those. What five are you going to give up of all that? And he gets it down. And I said, oh man, I said, said, doc, that is so close to something that I like to do. Because I'll take, you know, what are the things that that make your life work? Mm -hmm. Okay. So spirituality might be one. Uh, Health might be another uh, portion. Uh, Maybe uh, diet and exercise, you know, we'll put them together possibly. Uh, We'll throw in your career will throw in finances because they, you know, they'd be two separate things, you know, because some people don't have huge careers with, you know, tons of money coming in, but they do have things that they love doing that are, do pay money. And then you've got, you know, relationship with kids, friendships might be another thing. Hobbies might be another thing that I throw in that list of things. Uh, You know, maybe it's uh, education is a possibility. You know, they're just what makes your life work, everything that makes it work. Mm -hmm. And then what I want you to do is I want you to rate it on a scale of one to 10, how you're doing. Right. You know, how are you doing with your relationships? Oh, gosh, you know, I don't have any friends outside of my family. So, you know, that's a three. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, the only time I spend is with my wife and my, my you know, kids or whatever. Yeah. Uh, my kids terrible, but my wife is great. My wife is terrible. My kids are great. You know, it might be, uh, you know, spiritually, you know, I haven't uh, cracked open, you know, Bible in, you know, eight years. Uh, you know, you, you rate those on a scale of one to ten, mm-hmm. let's say. And then what I'll do is I say, okay, so the first bar is at a three, so it's pretty low. The second bar, which is maybe your career is at an eight, that's really high. The next bar is at a four, you know, because maybe that's your exercise program and it's non-existent almost. Yeah. And and I go, okay, so that's your road of life. It's a really bumpy road. If you're trying to do this deal at five miles per hour, maybe you can get through but if you're trying to drive at 100 miles per hour, your car is going to fall apart on this road because you just don't have any balance in anything and your life is. And so let's that tells me what we need to work on. You know, whatever's down there, I go, OK, is this important to you? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's important. Yeah, because you said it was something that makes your life work. You know, it should be important to you. So let's look at those things. But it gives some people a roadmap of where to start. And then, you know, I can look at that and say, well, maybe, you know, maybe I don't need to be focused so much on this one thing over here, but maybe some of my finances can be redirected to working on this thing over here. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, we, he and I were just talking about, you know, where we spend our time. And this really gets down to um, Charles, uh, who's going to be on the show next week. And, and, you know, he and I talking a little bit about really taking inventory of where we spend our time. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of times we spend our time doing things that aren't really all that important, you know, when it gets down to your, it. Your calendar and your checkbook tell the story. That is so true. 
or your credit card report, okay. you know, because who uses yeah. checkbook anymore? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's all on your phone. Your phone tells the story. <laughs> You're telling, yeah, your phone tells <laughs> lots of stories. You're, all right. So, you know, yeah, I think it's just kind of fun to start out the show, just getting a little bit deep and, and thinking about uh, some of these things. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. Now, you may be one of these people that's been listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area, but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area, and everything that we do is fee-only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get an initial 15-minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing, and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. All right. We're back here on the Investor Coaching Show. Paul Winkler, Evan Barnard, and Ira Work talking money and investing. Okay, Evan, you got something that's... Uh, you want? Oh, you want to take a drink of water, don't you? <laughs> no, go ahead. You just want to take a drink. Okay. Lay it on me. All right. I'll, all right. Well, I don't want to do this one because it's going to take a little longer. I, I was going to jump into something, but I was gonna, it's going to take a little bit longer. I'll do it anyway. All right. I'll do it anyway. Okay. So uh, we did a workshop. And it was about politics and investing. And uh, the workshop was really getting into the history and market history. It was really fun. It's going to be posted on the website. And, and the, the data in it was interesting in that it is very eye-opening to people. You know, one of the things that I got in a conversation with Chris Hand about, and then also got, Matt Murphy and I got into this conversation as well a little bit later, was how most people think, you know, if the party that I don't like gets into office, this could be really very bad for the stock market. And quite often, you know, right now we have a Democrat in the presidency. You know, we have the Senate controlled by Democrats, House slight, slight majority for Republicans. So you have a lot of anxiety and, you know, a lot of concern about what might be coming up in the future, you know, where that might lead. But the point that I, I made to both those guys is, is, you know, it's really interesting when you look at the data regarding large companies, mm -hmm. small companies, large value, small value, international and international small. And I also look at bond markets. And I went back to the 1920s for U.S. markets. I went back to the 1970s, early 1970s for international markets. And uh, the point that I made was you'd be surprised how much greater the returns were, which is not what either of these guys would have expected, right, Chris mm -hmm. or Matt? Yeah. How much greater the returns were under Democrats. Oh, yeah. For large, right. small, large value, and small value. And then I made the point that I said, well, you know, it's why would that be? And this is, well, you know, some people look at it about possibility of risk differences. You know, if you're more concerned about more regulation coming along, you might be needing a greater rate of return to t put up with that risk that there might be more regulation or higher tax rates. Yeah. And I said, and then you got that. And then, you know, international, 
Actually, Dem- uh, Democrats didn't have the edge on international small. They had the Republicans actually had the edge on international small. But the uh, the point that I made is also that if you look back at what would have skewed the data, uh, you know, if you look back up up into the nineties, up to the nineties. The greatest economic growth that we had, significant economic growth, came from improvement in our educational systems. It actually improved productivity pretty significantly up until the 1990s. So if you look at that, but then what really skewed thing, things in favor of, of Democrats in the 1990s was the advent of the personal computer. Right. And I walked through the level of growth uh, which was, you know, annualized growth rate of the economy and productivity was staggering. Yeah. It was staggering during the 1990s. Then you also have the financial crisis of 2007, 2008. And it was really who was the benefactor of the recovery of that would be Obama, you yeah. know, because he happened to be in office when the recovery from all of that came about. You know, so literally it was a situation where, and, and people have actually asked questions of us recently here in this office, you know, I'm literally really worried, worried about this and worried about the banking system. And, and, you know, one of the things that we do is we have a balancing act around here. Some people are so bullish on the stock market and diversification <laughs> because of what we teach that they start to worry about everything else in the banking system. Uh, and, and the point that I made was that, you know, well, you know, our government has made it pretty clear in the past, 2008, 2007, 2008, that there is a desire to make sure that the banking system stays whole. Right. You know, because when property values drop significantly and they had very, very low values on the books, what they did is they basically said, hey, we're going to make you whole. Don't worry about it. Don't run out of banks. We'll print money if we have to make sure that you're whole. That's Tim Geithner, you know, saying we'll print it if we have to. Uh, and then, of course, you had the mark-to-market issue where they were buying the property, TARP, you know, Troubled Asset mm-hmm. Relief Program, right. where they bought the property at a fraction of what it was, you know, was it was it was mark-to-market. In other words, it was the value was very low compared to what the banks had had lent had, on. Had lent on. And, you know, so they lent on this huge number up here and then the property dropped in value. Exactly. Right, Ira. You know, they went and and they said, tell you what, we'll give you what it was, what you lent the money on. The government will give you that money. We'll lend you that money. And they did. They lent that money. And then what happened is they took the risk. The government took the risk that the properties would come back in value. And of course they did. The properties did increase back in value and, and then the government was whole. You know, so and they made money on the program. But you know, the the reality of it is so much of what we worry about is just a function of not understanding how the system works. Yeah. And that is, in essence, what we get into in that workshop. So, you know, be sure if you want to check out that workshop, it was on politics and portfolios and going through the data historically. It's going to be on the website, paulwinkler.com. And you can just check that out. We'll post that in a second. What, Evan? You got, you got this look no, on I your face. I wasn't sure if you are going to a break. I didn't want to interrupt you. Um, yeah. You know, when you were talking about the 90s uh-huh. and, okay, you know, the tech started yeah. mm-hmm. growing, mm-hmm. what came to mind was – capitalism will find a way and it's not like everyone at silicon valley or whoever's behind you know behind some of these 
breakthroughs is, okay, well, we're not going to come up with a better microchip till the Republicans are in office. Right, right, right. You, you right, know, right. I mean, they're just capitalism is going to continue. Gonna, you know, technology will get better. Of course, now we have AI, you know, all those things. They don't at the end of the day, you know, inventors, developers, entrepreneurs, as investors, we don't really care who's in office. As a citizen, very different story. We do, but we don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Everybody it, it has an opinion. But it doesn't tell you, okay, I'm not going to open a business because of X Yeah. if you have this great idea. I'm not going to work because this person's yeah. in office. Yeah. I'm not going to do any. I'm going to let my company fail because <laughs> this person's in office. No. Well, I think there are people out there who are like, I don't have to go to work because this person's in office. <laughs> That's limited, Ira. <laughs> really. <laughs> Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.